nice and squeaky clean and disinfected before recording this episode. Welcome to Hand of Pop. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Hand of Pod episode 297. I'm Sam Kelly and I have just had to clean my face with um, disinfectant because the cat scratched it when I was picking her up to uh, show how easy it was to pick her up without her being aggressive. So that just tells you, don't trust any cats ever. She's currently locked in the bedroom. She's not locked in the bedroom. She's entertaining herself in the bedroom um, with my girlfriend who's folding clothes in there. Uh, I'm joined this week by Andres. Welcome back, Andres. Hello, Sam. And I think that that serves as an answer to the... There there were some questions about the cat, if, yes. whether she will return or not. Oh, well, she might be in later, yeah. but she's not right now. Uh, yes. she's. I think now it's a member, another member of Hannah Paul, but uh, it's better for, for us not to pay her any... Any, any, well, you will pay her with, with food, of course, but... Yes, and uh, by cleaning out her toilet, which yes. I did just a few minutes before you came. Don't worry, I um, washed my hands very thoroughly before preparing yes. our Furnets. Uh, although Andres isn't drinking Furnet tonight, he's just drinking Coke. I washed yes. my hands very thoroughly before preparing my own Furnet, um, obviously. Um, just as picking up a cat and it's scratching you is a completely impossible-to-predict situation... Uh, nobody could possibly have foreseen that the Argentine national team were going to uh, be forced to perhaps not play a friendly against Israel in Israel, in Jerusalem, of all the cities in Israel they could have chosen, um, ahead of the World Cup. Jorge Sampaoli is probably quite happy about this. In, in fact, I've been watching ESPN most of the afternoon, and their man in Barcelona, which is where Argentina obviously are at the moment on their training camp, says that Jorge Sampaoli actually is reasonably, you know, a bit pissed off with the organisation perhaps, but uh, isn't too disappointed with the cancellation of this friendly because he never wanted to fly to Israel for this anyway. He never wanted to fly anywhere else. He wanted to play a friendly in Barcelona and then head straight to Bronitzi, um, which is now what Argentina are going to do, although the friendly is going to be against their own under-20s, um, who are obviously there training and providing opposition in, in training matches. Uh, it's not going to be open to the public, so it's not going to be the same kind of atmosphere as even... A match, um, but provided against a, a more lowly international team might have been, but provided the the the, the quality or the, the the performance that Israel could bring, I don't see it so. Of course, it's not the same to play another team, national team, than to play against your own sparrings and and the twenty uh, players of national team. But it's not that uh, worse to play against them and not to move from Barcelona. Go, go, go to Israel, then go back to Barcelona, or, or from Israel go directly to Brunitzi. Uh, independently of that, uh, I think it's not uh, that bad news to, to, to play. And, and you give the, the Spurings a, a feel that they are playing for, for real, and uh, that's, I think that's why you, you bring them, apart mm. from to be there in the training sessions, uh, that, it w that will be helpful for them also. It's, uh, 
uh, it's pity not that Argentina won't be playing any other friendlies apart from the Haiti uh, at the Bombonera, but uh, uh, well, this is it. And there were a lot of voices criticizing the, the organization of the friendly because it was going to be played in Jerusalem with all the politics and the things outside football that it brings I mean th there were voices criticizing the idea of um, of playing Israel in Israel full stop yes. I, I think that th there would have been protests and there would have been criti criticisms coming in if they had played in Tel Aviv um, they, or, in fact Argentina, I mean there's no real other city I mean obviously there are other yes. cities in Israel but there's no other one that would have been likely to host the friendly so if, if they played in Tel Aviv then then the criticisms would have been um, would have been coming in as well. Um, but without, you know, wanting to hand, hand a pod uh, from the podcast's point of view, without wanting to put down a sort of editorial line on this, uh, it was abundantly obvious to everybody right from the start, or it should have been abundantly obvious to everybody. It was certainly abundantly obvious to us because we mentioned that there were some security risks involved or that there were some perceived security risks involved, um, that this was something that might have happened, that there might have been a protest from the Palestinian side, Um, that perhaps some of the players, as some of them, Iguain and Otamendi in particular, in the last couple of days on interviews, or today in fact, um, uh, in, in interviews with uh, t television stations, um, have sort of hinted, I don't think they've said outright, but they've hinted that, uh, that the players weren't happy in, uh, perhaps with the geopolitics of the situation as well as just uh, with the uh, logistics of moving around for a friendly seemingly pointless right before the World Cup. Yes, but nothing, all well, Palestinian is right because they are, they are, uh, they deserve for Jerusalem to be, uh, not, not to be occupied by Israel. Mm. Uh, not saying that, just that because of the situation, it was better not to go there. Yeah, exactly. They've been, um, I thought that some of the, the, the quotes from Iguain struck me as sort of trying to maybe allow people to think that the players were thinking were against the occupation. Um, But without actually saying it outright, because yes. I mean, apart from anything else, they're, they're footballers. They probably don't have a clue what's going on there. And they don't. They, um, they, they don't. There's no reason that they shouldn't uh, give an opinion on that. We yeah. we, we must remember uh, Ramiro Fuentes-Mori, for example, saying that the Falklands or the Malvinas are Argentine, and he's playing in England. Uh, and all of the a lot of supporters saying, "Shut up and go out to Argentina." And don't 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 say anything about this, or don't give your opinion because it's yeah, and not that's, your that's on a much much less emotive issue. Well, obviously, it's not much less emotive in Argentina, but certainly in 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 England, it's a lot less of an emotive issue, um, and a lot less of a real really politically live issue um, than the Israel Palestine conflict. We did, for a little bit of light relief over this whole shit show, get the um, hilarity. <laughs> Um, of seeing Claudio Tapia give a press conference this morning in which, um, first of all, he said that uh, people who are treating us, uh, talking about us as, as if we're ignoramuses are, uh, are being very cruel and, and they shouldn't do that because, and then proceeded to um, give a few statistics and, and facts which suggested that he just looked up the Israel-Palestine conflict on Wikipedia before giving the press conference. Um, and then said that uh, he hopes that people would take the cancellation of this friendly as a, a bid for world peace. So Chiki Tapia is joining Donald Trump on the list of um, potential Nobel Prize nominees for Nobel Peace Prize uh, next year, apparently. We shall see what happens. 
yes. whether either of them will claim it. Then it's going to be a tough competition. Yes, or maybe he can. We we know that he can be a, an ambassador of the United Nations before after. Uh, well, he his presidents at AFA ends, so it's a good good point of view. Indeed, um, obviously, from the purely apolitical um, and uh, just logistical point of view, this hasn't reflected particularly well on the AFA. As I said, it, it wasn't difficult at all to see when this friendly was first announced that there were going to be some protests, that not everybody was going to be happy about the fact that it's, it was going to be held. Um, no, no, and when one of the other, yes. you know, even when they were arranging it, one of the other alternatives, which they were talking about apparently at the same time, was to play against the Catalan national team in Barcelona, which is where they were staying and where they indeed are staying now on the training camp. Why not just do that? I mean, if it's not about money, obviously it is about money. I, 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 this yes. is a rhetorical question, just to clarify for anybody who's wondering. But if you're going to pretend that it isn't about money, then why not actually make it not about money and, and play the Catalan national team? And if FIFA say, you know what, the Catalan national team is not a team that we recognise, we don't want you because of you know the Spanish FA's um, uh, influence, we, we, we don't want you playing them this close to the World Cup, then the Andorran national team, who play home games sometimes in Barcelona, or any other national team... Even when FIFA... If you want a friendly that badly. All the time that they don't... Uh, they don't... Uh, uh, have to do with uh, political and, mm. and, and, and national uh, issues only out football, but it, now they are showing it in ESPN also that uh, Argentina, as, as we have already uh, mentioned, that because playing against Israel uh, before World Cup turned into a cabala some some time ago, that Argentina went to Israel to play friendly before the 1994 World Cup, but they played in Tel Aviv, I think. Uh, mm. Yeah, we're currently seeing pictures yes. of the national team visiting the Wailing Wall. Um, but yeah, I think the friendly was in, in Tel Aviv. I think you're right. But has have they? Was that just the once then, or did they play against them in 1990 and 86 as well? I think it was twice. Twice. Uh, yes. Don't remember the other that time. It was before I think 1990 or something like that. It was twice after Argentina didn't be. After that, Argentina didn't win, haven't won any 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 competition, so they cut that uh, uh, that saying that it was a cabala because it didn't work, of course. Yeah, uh, that's a good luck charm yes. um, for the uh, non-Spanish speakers listening. Um, I mean, yeah, as you say, maybe that's the reason they haven't won anything since. They win the '93 Copa America and then they they go and play a friendly in this. So maybe. Yes. The fact that this got cancelled could be behind the fact that Argentina are going to win the World Cup. Who knows? Yes. Um, Argentina probably aren't going to win the World Cup, of course. Um, we went into some of those reasons last week when reviewing the Haiti friendly. Um, but we would have had a few developments. This is going to be, I think, of necessity, quite a short episode of Hand of Pod. Because we haven't got any football to talk about, or at least none that we've both uh, after, seen. After the cancellation of the friendly in Israel, there were names of... Other national teams that were bring by, brought San by San Marino, Malta, Gibraltar, Malta, and Moldavia, and Liechtenstein. Yeah. Also, uh, of course, brought by agents that wanted this from this to, to be played. I'm just wondering though, I mean, Israel are ranked 98th at the moment uh, in, in FIFA's rankings, right? That, that's what, eight places above Haiti, who I seem to remember were 106th when Argentina played them. 
the Moldovan national team are currently ranked. Oh, they're 173rd, so they're quite a lot worse, in fact. I thought they were oh. better than that. Um, and beyond that, yeah, none of them are particularly high ranking. But we're going to get onto this a little later with, with one of our listeners' questions, which, which has to do with uh, the value of playing any friendly, really, at all, but particularly against such lowly teams. But I do think that psychologically there is a little bit of a difference um, between a training session, even if it's going to be a training session consisting of a 90-minute match of 45 minutes each side and 11, 11 players each, um, between that and an actual match where you walk out onto the pitch, you have the national anthems played before kick-off, you've got a crowd watching. Okay, when you're Lionel Messi, when you're Sergio Aguero, when you're, uh, okay, he's not there, but Sergio Romero, I'm, I'm scrambling around for names or whatever, when you've played in the World Cup final, when you've played in European, in the finals of, well, Romero's not played in the European Cup final, as he, with a capital E and a capital C, but he's played in a European lowercase cup final, that's the Europa League final last season. Um, when he played in these massive matches, uh, obviously it, it, maybe there isn't that much of a difference, but for some of the players, for some, for some of the uh, more up-and-coming players, Maxi Mesa, Christian Pavon, um, some of the players who are getting, getting used to the group still, it probably would help. And, and it might also help if the number one goalkeeping spot is up in the air, to maybe try out Franco Armani or Nahuel Guzman. Obviously, it's going to be Armani, but to be polite, let's name both of them. Um, in in a proper match before the World Cup starts. As yeah. it is, whoever Argentina's number one goalkeeper is, he's never played a competitive match for them. I think that, of the three. that also made Sampoli decide that... All, 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 a lot of uh, people saying that uh, finally the goalkeeper will be Caballero, hmm. as, as Armani couldn't and he won't be able to to play any single minute in the national team in in, in a official in an official friendly or match, so I think that the best decision here, uh, of course, it will be good. It will be have been good to for for Armani to to be able to to at least play uh, I know forty five minutes of a of a friendly. Well, that couldn't yeah. be uh, that won't won't be happening. So I think that now yes, Caballero will be the the one who, who plays uh, in the starting eleven against Iceland. Even then, I, I think that that's, if anything, that possibly the best argument for, uh, as I've just outlined for several reasons, I think that it, it is a good idea to play friendlies before the World Cup um, in preparation. But not playing quite such awful teams, with no disrespect meant to the level of any of these teams, but they're ranked around 100th in the world. They're, they're clearly nowhere near as good as Argentina are however much we slack off Argentina's abilities at the moment, um, they are one of the best teams in the world still. Um, anyway, not, not playing quite such awful teams. If you play somebody better, then you might at least get a little bit of a workout for your goalkeeper and therefore be able to decide. Because Caballero, I don't think, faced a single shot against um, Haiti. Israel aren't, aren't ranked very much higher. Of course, Israel play in, in UEFA, so they're, they're playing against higher standards of teams than, than Haiti are. And... Um, and, and that makes it more difficult for them to climb the rankings. Um, so I'm not suggesting that they're sort of going to be quite as as low um, ability-wise as, as Haiti. But there is a reasonable chance that had Argentina played Israel on Saturday, that Armani or whoever the, the starting goalkeeper would have been wouldn't have had to face any shots in that match either. Not because Argentina's defence is so rock-solid and astonishing, but because they're playing a team who are not as good as them. 
Um, and in that situation, and when it's the biggest question mark hanging over the squad, who's the starting goalkeeper, maybe it might have been a good idea to arrange a friendly against I don't know, one of the teams that we've got up on our screen at the moment, Belgium or Egypt. Um, you know, a, a team who are going to be able to attack you and a team who are possibly going to get some goal-scoring opportunities and therefore see whether your goalkeeper can deal with them yes. and make a decision based on that. Um, because as I say, at the moment, Argentina have got three goalkeepers in the squad, none of whom have ever played a competitive international for the senior national team, although Caballero played twice in the 2001 Under-20 World Cup. Um, I looked this up yesterday, which is what's fresh in my memory. Um, and between all three of them, they've got five caps in friendlies. Sorry, seven. No, eight caps in friendlies. Caballero's got three, um, and Guzman has five. Yes, of course, for Zampoli, this shows the uh, not very good management of players because... Uh, well, of course, he might, he might say, uh, well, but this friendly was going to be played and it was cancelled and there is where I, I, I would have tested uh, Armani and I couldn't, so now Caballero will be the, the, the goalkeeper. And I, I don't know whether it's more important in terms of the uh, upset that somebody could be for, for him too, uh, that Romero has been injured and he... Uh, uh, was uh, had had to call Guzman when he had already uh, put him out of the list. Than this, that means that uh, he can't uh, uh, see or watch Armani be playing a single minute. I, I, I mean, the, the other thing that actually one of the reasons I was looking up the three goalkeepers are in the squad and how many caps they've got between them was a Twitter conversation that I had with occasional hand of pod listener Tim Vickery. Uh, I say occasional because he, he did listen a couple of weeks ago. He, he tweeted something in reply to me, disagreeing with me about Mascherano. I think that was last week's episode, wasn't it? Um, so hello, Tim, if you're he, listening. He responded to Mascherano? He or? did, yeah. Oh. Um, so hello, Tim, if you're listening, and, and thank you for, for prompting this bit. Um, but um, apparently, Romero's wife, at least, seemed to think that Romero um, could have might have been okay two weeks after the decision was made. And, of course, two weeks after the decision was made was this week. And FIFA only needed the squads named two days ago. You can kind of understand that Sampaoli wants to get the 23 together, working all together with no distractions, with nobody as part of that group who's going to be cut later on and cause a lot of heart-rending and, and gnashing of teeth and everything. I can understand that. But as both Tim and I agreed... Um, during this uh, Twitter conversation that we were having. You can check it out on our, our Twitter timelines if you can find them. Um, if there's one position that you can afford to do it in, it's the goalkeeper. Why, why not leave Romero in the squad, call up Guzman and say, hey, we'd like you around as backup because there's a chance that, that Romero's not going to make it, and wait and see how Romero is feeling at you know, 59 minutes past 11 o'clock last night and then tell FIFA whether he's going to be in the squad or not. Because as it is, you've got a solid number one who's never really let Argentina down, uh, who has come up very big for Argentina on some occasions, and he's not in the squad. Their most capped goalkeeper of all time, and you're replacing him with one of three blokes who, as I have said several times already, have never played a, a competitive game for the national team. It seems, as you say, Andres, like not the best squad management yes. to me. Um, yes, it's independently of well, uh, <coughs> you never expect a, a player to be injured one month before the World Cup starts. 
and as you never expect that you you call the, that player because you think he will be fit and finally he isn't uh, and yes the, the the decision you you take is to uh, take him out of the of the staff or the, or, or the squad and call the one you have already that uh, live out of the list and, and his father made like a a characterization or however or whatever you can you can say that of, of San Paoli and criticizing him a lot and uh, yes I think it uh, had, he had to make a decision right now I I, I mean in a, in a minute or, or or in a short period of time and, and uh, he thought that the best uh, decision was to leave Romero out because of course a lot of people would as the, the same way they criticized for example Ansaldi for uh, for for Showing a photo, a photo of him with his wife in the in the taking a bath, uh, they will criticize Sabolib for taking a, a player that is injured to the World Cup, uh, and and we know that how media manages uh, opinion of people, people and, and, and supporters. Uh, so I think it was complicated anyway. It's a good point of view, I think. Mm. Well, take Romero and call uh, anyway, and call other two goalkeepers that could be back could be the substitutes of Romero if he doesn't uh, finally doesn't uh, isn't fit for for to play against Iceland but yes uh, uh, I agree with that with that point of view but uh, apparently there were pressure from the players also from the most important players mm. that met San Paoli and the decision was with uh, taken by, by by all of them not only by San Paoli I see okay I, I was not aware of that um so in that case, maybe it's a little bit more defensible. Um, but as I say, if there is one position where you can make a bit of an exception to that rule, if you're going to set that rule on yourself, surely it's the goalkeeper. Um, there is some uncertainty still in other positions as well, and this is why the friendly or a friendly on Saturday might have been a nice thing to have. Um, apparently, as well as Cabachero seemingly now maintaining first place or first choice um, Priority over Armani because Armani won't get a chance to have a proper test. Um, Gonzalo Higuain is still the first choice number nine because Sergio Aguero isn't going to have played a full match. Um, and Mascherano is beating Lucas Biglia to the first choice number five role as well, which is a bit of a surprise all round because, you know, as I said last week, I, I think that uh, Biglia and Aguero, when the plan was to have two friendlies, um, the likelihood was always going to be that those two were going to be the first choice in their positions. And now it looks like on the basis that they haven't got a full chance to test their fitness, this is another reason that friendlies can be useful. Um, well, uh, apparently... To a piece they're of, going to be going in without them. Apparently to a piece of information that apparently is is wrong, uh, I have a training session today that for this site or this app uh, is the team that somebody could also put in the in the... Match against uh, in Moscow against Iceland, yeah, which is not the ones you have already said. Okay, go. Cool. And we'll be, we'll be with four uh, back, mm-hmm. four men in the back, with uh, of course, well, we we think it will be Caballero, then Mercado, Otamendi, Rojo, not Facio. Rojo, Facio has been. Uh, he went to Seville today to see a child came, born. Has, yeah. His own child, just to be clear, not he's not a weirdo. Then, uh, well, Rojo, Tagliafico, Lanzini, Biglia, not Macherano, mm-hmm. Mesa, not Lo Celso, oh. Messi, Aguero, not Iguain, and Di Maria. 
Mm -hmm. Pavón. We we thought Pavón. Uh, that's a four three three as well, isn't it? Yes, but like I don't know whether to agree with this or to say yes. This will be the the formation. I, I saw those names in a slightly different in a four two three one uh, named earlier on as well. So that that could be the thinking. But I also saw one of, again one of the, the blokes on uh, in, who's in Barcelona following the squad. Uh, it was saying on television earlier that, that Biglia is um, still just behind Mascherano and that Aguero apparently is just behind Higuain in the pecking order right now because of the fact that he's not going to get to test them out in a match beforehand. It wouldn't. I, I do think that, the, again, another consequence of this lack of a friendly on Saturday is going to be that the, the starting eleven is going to evolve through the group stage. Um, I would be quite surprised, even if the final match ends up being a dead rubber for Argentina, if Sam Pauli just you know plays all of the reserves, as sometimes happens in World Cups in the third group game, um, I think he's probably going to want to try and, and allow people to play their way into the team. Yeah, he will have to perhaps take the match against Iceland, not of course as a friendly, but to test, of course, as as, they, as he won't have any any other match before that to well to finally define the the, mm. the, the team. Uh, this team was uh, the. Uh, playing against the under twenty, like like we have been saying, yeah, uh, and well, the, he will have to continue with these matches, uh, with the sparrings to to, to finally uh, define the, the the team. But yes, I don't know whether this will be the the proper eleven uh, players that will be finally against Iceland the twenty sixth, uh, the sixteenth, sixteenth of June. Yeah, I, th I think it's likely that that Fassi will be first choice over Rojo at centre back um, at least. Uh, and and the rest is I mean it's interesting it's not a team I dislike that much I just uh, yes as I say I, I think that Biglia will be should be first choice number five and Mesa could also be there but uh, as as Lachezo has uh, been in the in the national in the starting eleven uh, as a more solid option mm. uh, I also thought that he will be uh, before uh, I mean uh, ahead of of, of Mesa. Uh, but this was only a practice, a, a training session, and and I don't I don't trust in that saying that that probably will will probably be the the the, the team this exact, um, same team to be the one who plays that plays against uh, Iceland. Yeah, uh, indeed. The ones who did play the nations uh, the teams that did play Frontis and lost mm. all of them were their the rivals of Argentina. Yes, uh, Nigeria lost to I can't remember who. Lost to first against England and today against Czech Republic. Iceland, can you remember what that? Iceland lost to Norway three-two. Then well, Croatia, uh, we could pre preview that lost uh, to Brazil two-nil. Ah, yeah, that one's a little bit more. Yes, yes of less course. surprising. Less and tomorrow Iceland will play against. Uh, let me see. Tomorrow will be another another friendly from them. We're frantically looking up on our phones now. Yes. Iceland against Ghana yes. tomorrow. Oh, which is going to be on television here, by the way, if you want to watch it. I think it's on Fox Sports. Um, oh, and England play Costa Rica. I've forgotten about that one. Um, good. That's also going to be on television. I might watch it. I haven't watched England in ages. No idea how, how good they are. Listeners, if you want to tweet in and let me know uh, whether I should get excited about England this year, then feel free. And if you say yes, then I'll ignore you because it's never worth getting excited about England. But, you know, they, they seem like a slightly more likeable team this year, at least, than they have been most of the time. Um, is there anything else to mention national team-wise? 
looking at the headlines on La Nación to see whether we've forgotten about anything. I don't think there is. Which means that we can brush over really briefly, because neither of us actually managed to watch it, the second leg of the Ben Nacional playoff final between San Martín de Tucumán and Sarmiento de Junín. Um, listeners will remember from last week... Did we mention it? Yeah, we did mention it on the main episode, didn't we? Um, that uh, San Martín were trailing 1-0 against Sarmiento from the first leg. In the second leg, they tore Sarmiento limb from limb. There's one way of um, coming back to to overturn a first leg deficit. They won 5-1 on Sunday. Sunday? Yes, yes, it was on Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, it was a match that I, I had planned to watch it, actually, but I was invited to um, watch a friend on stage, and I wanted to go along and give him some moral support, so I ended up not, not catching the game, and, and I kept that for a few seconds towards the, the end of the game. Um, but apparently a pretty impressive performance. Claudio Biela scored twice, yes. I think. Um, so San, San Martín de Tucumán, not Sarmiento de Tucumán, um, are going to be in the Superliga next season. I think it's the first time they've been in the top flight since I've been here, but it's not the first time at all by any means. It was a, a, a classical of the, we could say, the, ma- the men, the historic men, because Sarmiento and Sarmiento were both important mm. men in the history of Argentina. And they'll also, therefore, be a classical of the San Martínez. Uh, yes. next next season because it's going to be San Martín de Tucumán and they'll be playing at some point San Martín de San Juan which yes. will be nice um, oh and Atletico de Tucumán as well so they've, they've got an actual Clásico as well as just uh, two teams who happen to share the same name um, so congratulations San Martín de Tucumán we're sorry that we can't say more about you uh, or rather about your match at the weekend uh, but as we say neither of us caught it and now astonishingly early in the recording because we've only been recording for just under half an hour, I'm going to call half-time. We will refill our glasses, and we will come back and answer your listeners' questions. Don't go away. As soon as I pressed stop on the microphone at the end of that first half, Andres reminded me uh, that we haven't mentioned the Copa Libertadores draw. So we do have something to talk about before getting on to your questions, after all. Uh, it was made on Monday, and astonishingly, on Tuesday, Conmebol tweeted out the whole list of days and kickoff times for the round of 16. Um, I know that they started to do this last year, but it still feels out of character and slightly scary that Conmebol are being quite disorganised. Um, we do have, we predicted last week or the week before that River Plate would play an Argentine side. There was, of course, a five in eight um, possibility of that happening because of the fact that River were the only of one of the six Argentine sides to uh, finish top of the group. The others all qualified in second. Fortunately, for the sanity of everybody in South America and certainly in Argentina, um, they're not playing that other Argentine side in the round of 16. Indeed, River versus Boca cannot happen until the final 
if both yeah. teams reach it. That will be heavier even then. Yes. Um, that might be slightly worrying for the sanity of everybody in South America. I think at the moment I'd be slightly surprised if they did both reach the final, I fancy, I'll be honest. But I fancy that if that occurs, a lot of people won't watch that final. Well, it's a final, of course. Impossible not to watch it, but it will be very difficult because it has it has never happened. Of course, semifinals. Uh, there were semifinals in which, well, uh, uh, of Copa Sudamericana recently, yeah. when River defeated Boca, and Libertadores, when Boca was uh, advancing, uh, advanced to the final and then lost to Once Caldas, if I'm not wrong. Yep, 2004. Yeah. Um, and in the quarterfinals of the Libertadores in 2003 as well, I think it was, wasn't yes. it? Was it? Were those consecutive years? Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's not River Boca. Uh, we've we've just talked for a minute on on about it being River Boca when it isn't. So now I'm sure you're asking yourself, who are River playing? They're playing Racing, the oldest clásico or the oldest clásico between two of the grandes in Argentina. Um, is going to happen. Racing play River or Racing host River. Of course, River is the the higher ranked um, team. The 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 group stage um, rankings have been turned into seeds, and the higher the seeded club is they will get home ties throughout um, the knockout stage so the number one seeds I think were Gremio weren't they uh, unfortunately on, on Commonwealth's own statistics page there is no uh, list of which order the seeds all came in I don't think no they have one last year actually they, they had a separate tab on the, on the group standings page for the final seeds but they haven't got it this time um, but anyway Rassinghost River on the 9th of August and then visit them on the 29th of August. Uh, oh, those are two or three weeks apart. I thought they were in consecutive weeks, but they're not. Independiente are at home against Santos of Brazil. Uh, on the 21st of August is the first match. That, those are in consecutive weeks, and then they visit Santos on the 28th. So that's two Wednesdays, I think it is. So there could be two uh, Tuesdays the Clásico de Avellaneda in quarterfinals, if Ah, uh, could they? These teams play each other, yes. do they? Shabayat against Shabayache. Yes, you're right, they do. I see. Oh, that, that's going to make it much easier to uh, see how this goes. G against B. Right. So G against B is a non-all-Argentine, an anti-all-Argentine um, bit of the draw, quarter of the draw, because that involves Colo Colo and Corinthians in Shave, uh B. Chave in English would be match, basically. I mean, key in English, literally. But in this in this context, it, it's it's match up. You know, winner B against winner G. And winner G will be either Cerro Porteño of Paraguay or, or Palmeiras of Brazil. Um, the other side of the draw is... Oh, no, sorry. The same side of the draw as River is E against D, which is Estudiantes who are at home to Gremio and then away to Gremio on the 7th and the 28th of um, August. And Atletico Tucumán. It's a Clásico of the Atléticos, sort of. Um, Atletico Tucumán have got a very tall order. They are hosting Atletico Nacional, the 2015 Copa Libertadores winners. And then they visit them uh, in Medellín on the 28th of August. Of August, yes, not I was going to say October there. And in the remaining two ties, Flamengo or Cruzeiro, uh, so definitely a Brazilian club will play either Boca or Libertad of Paraguay. Um, speaking of Boca, 
one challenge they're going to face is that they're going to be without one of their best players by the time they face Libertad because obviously one of the things that has um, been uh, quite widely reported in the last couple of days and which we have a question about so we'll go into it in a little bit more detail later on um, is the fact that Christian Pavon looks extremely unlikely to the point where Boca journalists are reporting from Boca's point of view he's, he's really no longer a Boca player effectively to still be a Boca player next season. Uh, he might be in England, he might be in France, he might be in Spain. Uh, we will discuss the exact options in a few minutes because, as I say, we've had a question about it. But that's going to be a big blow to them. Uh, arguably their best player, certainly the most reliable player from the whole of, of the last domestic season, just gone, given the injury to Benedetto and given that Carlos Tevez came back and was every bit as good as he had been in China for the previous 12 months. Even when we, of course, uh, it's easy to predict something like that, but one being if not the best team of the Super League, uh, player of the Superliga of that Woka won, it's near of, the, of that, close to, to that. Uh, it's strange to hear that uh, he will be either in England, France or Spain, but no, there is no even no clubs involved in this uh, rumor. Oh, but there are clubs involved. Ah, okay. I just wasn't naming the clubs because they're more relevant to the question that we've been asked. So we'll get on to them in a few minutes' okay. time. But don't worry, yeah, there are, there are clubs. Um, his agent has been talking to or at least one, apparently. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, it's an interesting draw, I think. River Racing, of course, as you say, that there's the possibility of a Clásico de Avellaneda in the quarterfinal. Um, but uh, it's one that one of River's players or technical team, I can't remember who it was, it might have been Gachardo, but I don't want to say a name because I can't remember. I, I, I read an interview earlier or an article earlier which quoted them um, as saying that they're not saying it's going to be easy but they're sort of quietly confident River of course have as I mentioned it's the oldest classical between two of the big clubs in Argentina and River have a pretty massive psychological advantage at least in terms of that rivalry in that it doesn't seem to matter what kind of form River go into it, the match in, and, and Racing go into the match in. Racing can be on top of the world, and River can be struggling, and River will beat Racing. They, they've beat in the professional era, at least. It's something River have an advantage yes, of something like forty-seven matches. If you take into account the overall overall history, that's true. But if you take only the competitions, uh, the uh, in which River now is strong, uh, uh, since Gallardo is in the bench, mm-hmm. Racing is uh, ahead of River in terms of the Copa Libertadores and I think Supercopa, which was. Yeah before the Mercosur and the Copa Sudamericana. I don't have now, I don't remember now the the full stati- statistics. But Racing have an advantage but in yes. continental games. In, yes. That's very interesting. So, uh, of course, uh, River might, might say, I am ahead of you in, in the history with the matches we have played head to head. And Racing could say yes, but we are better in, in, in Copa Libertadores and... and Supercopa and, and the well, the matches. These these are things that I've, I've sort of mentioned it before. Where obviously a football match is eleven players against eleven players, and history doesn't get put out onto the pitch as one of those players. But I do feel like in Argentina, particularly, it, can, it often feels like actually history does have something to do with it because it gets mentioned so much, especially in these matches between big clubs, that it almost seems like it does psychologically play on the players' minds a little bit. Like when Boca play San Lorenzo, you can see that there seem to be some matches where Boca almost don't believe that they can win because of the fact that San Lorenzo are the one side 
uh, who've played Boca more than about 10 or 15 times, who have an advantage over them. And so it's very interesting to hear this statistic about Racing having the advantage over River in, in continental games, because I hadn't heard about it. And because I then wonder you know, whether that's going to get introduced in the days before the game. It's the kind of thing that right now everyone's just going, oh, it's River Racing, River will win. Yes. And in the days before the game, you know that all of the talk is going to be about what you just mentioned, Andres. A lot of uh, the media are going to be bringing up this this fact that Racing have something of a hoodoo over River in continental games. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see whether it has an effect, whether it appears to have an effect, and what happens. I, River Racing, if nothing else, always well, tends to be entertaining, so I'm looking forward to that. But there are another two remarkable things about this, uh, well, this uh, round of 16 uh, draw against between River and Racing. You mentioned Pavon, that, that Pavon for sure, or is likely not to continue playing for Boca, uh, and well, in Racing, something similar happens because Lautaro Martinez won't be there. Of course, yeah. And Centurion has been into surgery as an emergency mm. because he from he suffered from appendicitis. Um, so he will be nearly a month out of the trainings. He will be there for just a short period of time before the the, the match, the first match of the. Yeah. Not well. He will have a month, perhaps, of time. Because uh, as I read, it would be one month. But of course, Racing aren't going to have any competitive games in in preparation for that because the league doesn't begin until the Superliga doesn't begin until the day after that first leg. Obviously, the first leg's on a Thursday. The Superliga begins on Friday, and River and Racing won't be playing on the Friday clearly. But but that's that's the weekend that begins. Um, And Racing around to the Copa Argentina, thanks to that shock against uh, Sarmiento de Resistencia. Um, a few weeks ago yes. um, so it'll be interesting to see what kind of friendlies they line up in preparation and whatnot. River will play against Central Norte the 22nd of July for Copa Central Argentina. Norte de Córdoba <coughs> or some other Central no, Norte I don't, I, I, don't, I don't think it's from Córdoba uh, I think it's from the north but yes it was defined uh, the recently that it will be that, that date so they will have a, a match before the, that uh, uh, round of 16 of Copa Torres to yes prepare and, yeah, and move, move the players and the legs of the players for uh, pre- previous previous preview sorry previous to that important match yeah um, the other Argentine sides of course all play non-Argentine sides uh, so let's go through them in order Independiente against Santos I think is another match, another tie. It's going to produce either the rival of either River or Racing for the quarterfinal. Um, I mean, Santos have to be favourites for it, but I, th- I think it's going to be really an interesting game. If Independiente hadn't got straight back into their quite bad habit for most of last year of creating loads of chances and struggling to score any of them, and maybe needing 20 shots to score one goal... Um, then I, I, I would think it was much more even. But as it is, Santos, particularly in their games against the Estudiantes, which, which were the two I obviously caught in their entirety, the others I only caught snatches of during the group stage, but they look pretty efficient um, and they look like one of the stronger sides in this competition in a group, admittedly, that was a little bit below par, as it evidenced by the fact that Estudiantes managed to get out of it and Estudiantes really yes. are no great shakes at the moment. Um, yes. But I, I think that... You know, it, it's it's interesting. Santos are favourites, but I would I would give Independiente a chance of. That, I think that is more more uh, even in terms of the favourites, even when Santos are slightly favourites. But I think that it's River, perhaps, is could be the favourite against Racing. Then 
estudiantes, I think Gremio, Gremio is the favorite there. By far. And, uh, well, then Atletico Tucumán, the same. It's, I think it's Nacional, the one who... Oh. Although it's interesting looking at the sort of the different attitudes that those the, the, the yes. two Argentine sides are going to be going into that with because Estudiantes, as I said, have, have been really poor in the league. They picked up a little bit um, after changing managers to Leandro Benitez uh, towards the end of the season. Um, but, I mean, they still really have not been that good for several months. Um, whereas Gremio were one of the more impressive teams in the group stage overall. And the Brazilian league... Is I don't know whether it's stopping for the World Cup. I know that it's going on this week still, certainly, um, and it'll be starting up again. If it does stop for the World Cup, it'll start up again quite quite sh- soon afterwards. So Gremio are going to be in the full flow of competition. Um, they're going to have their, their their game heads, the game faces on. Um, that's going to be a really really tricky one for Estudiantes. So I mean, as as you say, I, I make Santos sort of favourites against Independiente, but I give Independiente a chance. I find it very difficult uh, to see Estudiantes putting Gremio out of the Libertadores. Yes, for River Racing, even it's better for them as they will have the same uh, activity or inactivity. Um, Atletico Tucumán against Nacional, on the other hand, is one where Atletico are kind of delighted just to be there. I know that that sounds very patronising, but it's true. I mean, it's it's historic that they're in the round of 16. And from that point of view... Obviously, Nacional are the, the massive favourites, but also Atletico are going to be playing with absolutely nothing to lose. And with Luis Rodriguez. And you never know. You never know what can happen. Yes, they, they know about how to suffer and, and, and go through. Mm. Uh, when, when we have already uh, mentioned that uh, playing against El Nacional was in Ecuador with the Argentina say. national team t-shirts uh, it, it was an Ecuadorian club wasn't it I thought it was Barcelona but it wasn't I know I think it was a Nacional let's look up last year's Copa Sudamericana and yes it was just a miracle something historic or was what? it last year yes. it was wasn't it yeah. yes Since or, or it was the playoff for this one perhaps yes it was where are we ah oh, let's just look for Right, it wasn't last year's Sudamericana. Or the play for this Copa Libertadores, I don't... Oh, you reckon? Copa Libertadores 2018. Oh, that's because I was looking at this year's Copa Sudamericana. Oh, come on, please work. Search function, thank you. No, they went straight into the group stage of this year's Libertadores, so it must have been last year's Sudamericana, (laughs) and I will get around that by now. Searching for... Last year's Sudamericana rather than this year's. I got confused. I thought we were already 2017. in 2019. 2017 Sudamericana. Search page for Atletico Tucumán. They are mentioned once they beat Oriente Petrolero. They played Independiente in the round of 16 and lost. So it was a recent competition. Anyway, I think it was the playoff for last year's Libertadores, actually, wasn't it? Which they got into the group stage and then finished third in the group. And it was against... I think El Nacional might have been in. Let's just say that rather than search anymore because I'm embarrassing myself. I won't say we're embarrassing ourselves. Andres isn't embarrassed at all because he got it right, probably. Um... But yeah, I mean, so I mean that, that's that's an interesting one where obviously Nacional are going to start as heavy favourites, but I wouldn't entirely put it past Atletico to to spring a surprise in their own stadium. It's just a shame that that match is going to be the first leg and not the second. Really, that might have made it a bit more interesting. Um, and then the for the other Brazilian tie, of course, we have to skip the next uh, 
few games, Colo Colo Corinthians, Cerro Porteño, Palmeiras, Flamengo Cruzeiro, we go straight to Boca against Libertad, which is going to be an interesting one. After Boca's displays in the group stage, which were less than convincing until they played Alianza Lima at home in that last game and, and thrashed them, was it 5-0 in the end? Yes. Um, yes, it was, wasn't it? Um, Libertad, of course, are, are one of the, I wouldn't say, I think powerhouses is probably overdoing it slightly, but Libertad are a side who have regularly been in the round of 16 and the quarterfinals and occasionally in the semi-finals, if my memory serves me right, in the last uh, sort of decade or so in the Libertadores. Um, it's going to be a really tight couple of games, I think. That. Yes, well, I think that's the same as in the Independiente Santos, but the other way around. Boca are slightly favourites, but not that favourites. Um, about Boca, what I have read is that they are looking for a centre-back as looks like Boca uh, has no centre-backs for a long time because when they, there is no uh, uh, an injury, is someone that leaves, like Magashan that is now at Ajax, like we have already mentioned. Mm-hmm. And now they are looking for, uh, well, it won't be Gustavo Gomez, the dream of Guillermo Barros Escaloto, who he's, he won't, wants very, he would like very much for him to be in, in, in a team where he's the, the, the coach again because he yeah. has, has been playing with him at Lanús when they won the Copa Sudamericana in yeah, 2012 yeah. or 2013 I think, twen- I think 2012 yes and uh, uh, apparently no sorry not Gustavo Gomez uh, the one who played with him was Izquierdos mm. and he wants him back uh, after Gustavo Gomez um, apparently won't be there because uh, Angelisi said uh, that uh, uh, they couldn't uh, come to an agreement with their agent so Gustavo Gomez won't be there and now they are looking for that for him for Izquierdos that is on the 2013 oh. Sudamericana yeah um, Izquierdos could be oh, not that I've seen him since he's left Argentina um, but if he's gonna, if he's still playing on a similar level could be a decent signing for them he'd certainly be a, a wouldn't be a step down from Magashan, who I'm slightly surprised has gone to Ajax, I have to say. I mean, yeah. decent, but let's say... I mean, the, the obvious comparison is, is to compare him with another Argentine defender who Ajax bought recently. He's not on Tagliafico's level. There's a reason that yeah. Tagliafico is, is now in the national team and, and that uh, Magashan is not, in spite of the fact that Argentina aren't exactly blessed with loads and loads of really good centre-backs. Um, so if you're an Ajax fan listening to this, I'm sorry to be the, the bearer of... I wouldn't say bad news, but less than spectacular news. He's a solid enough player, but he's nothing out of this world. Whereas Takia Fico is yeah, a, a, a very good... Yes, if, if the Ajax uh, supporters uh, think, oh, we are signing a new Takia well, no. Hmm. Um, so, in short, Boca Libertad, as Andres says, I think I'd make Boca slight favourites there. But as I said, it, it's going to be a very... It's on a knife edge, really, that one. And the two halves of the draw both look pretty interesting to me. Um, any of the Argentine sides have got to get through a bunch of pretty decent opponents um, with, you know, I think Boca if if they do make it through, we're going to have Flamengo or Cruzeiro, that's probably going to be Cruzeiro um, in, in the quarterfinal, which could be a really tough assignment as well and then I would think Corinthians in the semi although Palmeiras maybe as well 
it's not an easy route to the final. Um, well, they, they, for Boca, who are, who are of course the only Argentine side in that half of yeah. the draw because the others are all up in the other half. They know Palmeiras, of course, because they have yeah. played they played against them in the group and they have, of course, not the best results as they uh, got a, a, an equalizer that was like a victory because they have been they lost or they conceded a goal just before the match ended and. A couple of minutes after they they got the equalizer, but then in the match played in Argentina, they lost and then it was a very bad defeat because after that they had to depend on the junior and Palmeiras results to to qualify. So yeah. uh, it's not that uh, best. I think I mean if they advance and, and and they have to face Palmeiras, that won't be that uh, they won't be that happy. No. Indeed. And the other half um, is is tricky to call, uh, as, as we kind of hinted already. I mean, the, the, the round of 16, River Racing is, you make River favourites, and perhaps you would say that they're a little bit more than narrow favourites, but it still wouldn't surprise you if Racing got through that one. Um, Santos, probably narrow favourites um, to, to play whoever gets out of that in the quarters. And in the semi-final... I would say Gremio are the most likely semi-final opponents, but Atletico Nacional wouldn't surprise you at all um, either. So it's up for grabs. By the way... I think it looks like a really good knockout stage for all, personally. By the way, talking about River Racing, there is something that Chacho Coudet... uh, Well, he has already said when River defeated Racing on Superliga that he he didn't want to see Armani again. And well, he will yeah. have to see him. Oh, of course, yeah, I've forgotten yes. about that. Yeah, you're quite right. Because, of course, oh, the Rosario Central against Nacional drove Copa Libertadores, in which Armani was the, well, man of the matches, of those matches. So, yes. Yeah, indeed. Um, let's move on to some listeners' questions. Uh, this looks like being a slightly longer second half of the podcast than the first half was. But anyway, Conor Gallagher says, since 1993... In which tournaments has the best participating Argentine coach actually been in charge of Argentina? I think we can say 2014 without any shadow of a doubt. Yes. Um, Argentina had the best Argentine manager. I'm trying to think whether there were any other Argentine managers involved. Oh, of course, Peckerman. Uh, but, you know, Sabella. Um, yeah, but in, but in terms of the results. Lot, so. yes. Yes. Um, and then before that. I'm not really. I'm seeing this question. I literally, uh, Connor tweeted this to us a couple of days ago, but I don't really check the hand of Pod um, mentions very much in between recordings. And as a result, I just saw this question while we were recording the first bit, and therefore we haven't had time to Google all of the competitions since 1993 and see whose managers were whom. Um, so we're going with what we can remember more recently. I mean, the Copas America more recently, I would say, clearly in the 2015 one, San Paoli was managing Argentina uh, was mar- managing Chile sorry um, Martino was managing Argentina I would say that the two best managers reached the final in that one but San yes. Paoli did but I, I mean I, San Paoli I, outthought Martino I, I think that, that Argentina final, so. played better in the final of the World Cup against Germany than in, in, in Chile in the, mm. in the Copa America final uh, and yes it's very very slight differences or I, I mean in the results it was the same because the final but in the way they played and the close they were to, to win 
Argentina also played better, if my memory serves me right, in the 2016, the Copa Centenario final, than they had done the previous year. Yes. And Chile ended up, obviously, were lifting the trophy at the end of both of them. Um, then they had another Copa America final with Basile against Brazil. Yep. Then they, Brazil won 3-0. And were there any other Argentine managers involved in that, though? For other countries, see, this is the thing. I, unfortunately, Connor, I didn't have no. a chance to. Um, search no, but them all. Uh, arriving to a final or or, a, or similar to semi-final, I don't think so. So yeah. So we're going to say so, at yeah. least one is the answer to Connor's question, and possibly some others, but we would need a little bit more time to research it. Um, sorry. Uh, Stephen Hooley says he's actually tweeted a similar question to us twice because he tweeted us again just to make sure um, that we saw it uh, a little a couple of hours ago so if I reread this question in a couple of minutes time I apologise um, but Stephen Hooley says I'm a Manchester City fan and I saw Manchester City shirts in shops when I came over to a Boca game this year a sign that City's marketing is working do Argentine clubs market effectively overseas in your book in your view, I find Boca a difficult club to interact with from the UK, for example. Um, no, they don't. It's as simple as that. When you bear in mind that even to get a River or a Boca shirt, you need to uh, go through some specialist retailers, let's say, that's not a euphemism. Um, they, they, they clearly don't. Newell's Old Boys are the only um, Argentine football club at the moment who've got an, an official English language Twitter account, obviously there are very many unofficial fan accounts that have been set up for various clubs recently, you'll find a lot of them in uh, our mentions quite recently I think um, but Newell's are the only one, bizarrely with an official English language Twitter account we, there, there are a couple of the other clubs are in talks to, to get um, people on board to help them run one But What I can say about River is that what, the only official thing they are doing is to uh, come to agreements with uh, former players that are, for example, in Europe, like Herman Pesela, mm-hmm. now at Fiorentina, uh, they are uh, making them, like, somehow, some kind of ambassadors. Of so the, brand of ambassadors. The brand, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, nothing nothing else about apart from that. It's like, uh, yes, uh, well, uh, uh, give them a T-shirt and, and to uh, perhaps talk with them to try to make River more... Uh, none in, in those areas, but nothing, nothing else, uh, or nothing more like overall mm. branding. Perhaps uh, that's that, that that's something I know they are doing, but uh, not everything else. Not, not anything else, I think. Yeah, I mean the the really short answer to Stephen's question is no. Uh, Argentine clubs don't market effectively overseas. They don't market particularly effectively in Argentina. I think a lot of the time, Racing's. Um, very recent in, in what was it about six months ago they had that big membership drive with some really nicely done television um, adverts you know it's, it's perhaps an exception but for the most part marketing and Argentine clubs is not a combination that goes together particularly well Yusuf Armin says on a scale of 1 to 10 how stupid is the AFA 11 well that, that's something I answer yeah 11 um to uh, take a line for a spinal tap. Um, he also says, thoughts on Racing's winter signings? How good were they? I'm interested by the fact that he uses the past tense in that question uh, because the winter transfer market is barely opened and I'm not really sure who Racing have signed. Uh, perhaps he might... He, he meant summer? Or... No, no, I think he means the current window. Uh, oh. Let's... Um, 
Ole have that line uh, rundown of um, the market, don't they? Somewhere. Let's let's take a look at them. The reason that we seem slightly underprepared for this question, by the way, I, I know that I retweeted Yusuf's question when he asked it a few hours ago, uh, but it's just that I, I'm always surprised by the fact that people bother to pay attention to transfer windows <laughs> before the transfer window is closed, um, because I don't, and I'm baffled as to why people bother. But um, where is the bloody thing? It was on this homepage somewhere. Yeah, so even the Argentine press aren't paying that much attention to yes, it. Yes, I think it's showing up anywhere here. Ten, ten days before Argentina uh, makes their debut in a World Cup. <laughs> uh, this time it's not. Uh, they are not focused on the transfer window. So in short, Yusuf, uh, ask us again in a couple of months' time, and don't ask such weird questions next time. Why would you ask about the transfer market when we're gearing up for a World Cup? Um, sorry. Nick says, does it really matter if Argentina play one stupid friendly instead of two? I'm going to say yes for the reasons that I outlined earlier about the fact that several quite key members of the first team squad and the starting 11 haven't been tested recently, haven't played a proper match. The psychology and and, and the the way that the, the game feels is very different when you've got a crowd and when you have the national anthems played and when you're going out in the proper kits beforehand and everything um, to just a training session of two 45-minute halves. Um, I I think it matters in as much as that. Obviously, if Argentina had planned all along that they were only going to play Haiti and then have a couple of weeks of really intensive training with nothing else being the focus, then it might be a bit different. But as it was, the plan was to play Israel on Saturday. It was to play a friendly on Saturday, more to the point, um, and that's now not going to happen. So, I'm going to say yes, Andres. Yes, and uh, even when they are losing, the arrivals are playing a lot of friendlies, or at least two, uh, in the last days. Mm. So, yes, I think I think it's a disadvantage, but so uh, uh, I I don't see it as I said in the beginning of the, of the episode that. Bad in terms of having these trainings with the sparrings, of course, not the same by, by far, but uh, at least uh, it's something uh, that will will let Sapoli finally uh, have that the team that will will be there against Iceland. Uh, not the same, of course, like it will have been good to play against Israel or even another team, not Moldova, not uh, Liechtenstein or, or, or Malta, because. It's similar to Haiti in that case. Mm. But, well, this is it. Um, we have to... Well, to, to uh, be comfortable with the only uh, friendly that that Argentina played against Haiti. Indeed. Uh, Tariq Al-Haidar says, Do you think that Lo Celso can link the midfield and attack in a manner similar to Fernando Gago? Uh, yes, I do. Yes, he will play a bit more ahead in the pitch. I think in the in the in I mean the position in the in the in the team. But yes, that's the, the main idea to include La Chelsea in the in the team. Yeah, um, I I think he, I mean he's coming off a, a decent season. Obviously, a season in which he he got better as the season went on as well, with with the exception of that match when um, Emery decided to play him as a number five against Real Madrid, a defensive midfielder, which didn't work at all. Um, the difference, but, I think. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think. Well, I think the main difference is that he's going to stay fit, <laughs> probably. Yes, and the main difference, even when he was against Haiti, mentioning the only friendly that Argentina had 
have played in the uh, last weeks mm. is that uh, he was uh, the penalty was made to him against Haiti the the, the one that yes yeah opened, the, opened the, the scoring the score and I don't see Gago even being fit to do things like that to win yeah, the, in the box and, and yeah. yeah. No, I'd, I'd agree with that as well. I think he's, he's going to be a more dynamic presence, yes. um, even taking it out of account, leaving out of account the, the fact that Gago gets injured all the time. Um, Jamie says, what are the origins of the claim by some sections of the Argentine media and fans that Messi is a River fan and would play for River? I've seen a lot of Newell's fans retweeting and responding to this nonsense recently. Uh, we had a few replies to this in the comments from Luis Bessone, our, our resident uh, Newell's fan um, member and others but um, basically I mean the, the main origin is, is that Pablo Aymar is Lionel Messi's idol uh, was growing up he had a poster of him on his on his bedroom wall uh, Messi's always been quite um, open about that uh, Messi also had a trial with River after it became apparent that Newell's weren't going to be paying his medical expenses anymore for the, the hormone treatment that he needed um, and before moving to Barcelona, River weren't prepared to sort of um, uh, take a chance on him um, at the time. But I think that there was always a kind of a, a good relationship there. And so combined with the fact that his idol is a River fan, run, uh, as a River player, sorry, rather than a Newell's player, I can kind of see how some people might have got the impression that Messi might be a River supporter who also likes Newell's or a Newell's supporter who also likes River. I, personally, I think he's probably a, the latter. I, I think he, he has a bit of a soft spot for River maybe, but isn't actually a, a fully-fledged fan. Um, and the willing of, of River supporters for yeah, Messi to be... Yes. Precisely. And, and also the Argentine press to link Messi with one of the two big clubs in the country. Um, because the idea that you could have the greatest footballer ever uh, who is Argentine and yet actually isn't that bothered about River or Boca he's a fan of a third team altogether who aren't even from Buenos Aires is a little bit like to, to a lot of these sections of the Argentine but press it, that's anathema every time he had the opportunity he said that he won't even he, he, he doesn't even know whether he will play in Argentina but if he does he will play for News he said that although having said that the position that he is in, even if he was an absolutely raging River fan, he's still kind of in the position where he couldn't really ever play for them. He'd have to play for Newell's. I'm not saying that he is, obviously. I'm just saying, like, if, uh, if it, it, it's not entirely his choice because of the fact that he's grown up with this narrative that, uh, well, of, of, of being a Newell's product and of, of being a lifelong Newell's supporter and everything. Um, you know, and it's it's quite um, it's, it's quite strange. It doesn't seem as well founded, certainly by any means, as Maradona being an Independiente fan, which is something that Maradona himself said when he was a kid. Uh, and the Boca thing only came about really. It's true that later he plays for news and yeah. when he came back to Argentina and Boca. But yes, Messi, uh, we we see him all the time, uh, except for the match against Brazil in the in the. Qualifiers in which he said la concha de tu madre to the to the referee. Mm. Uh, he covers his mouth all the time to for the people not to to, to discover what he's saying. As, as he's shy, he's polite. I don't, only for that because of that he won't be playing for River when all Ros everything in Rosario or, or every news supporter is waiting for him to be there. Yeah, exactly. No, and um, as I say, I, I, 
I have no doubt, probably. <laughs> no doubt, and then probably. I, I, I suspect that when the Super Classico gets played, if Messi pays any attention to it at all, he wants River to win. But I do think that he's a and new he, I mean, you know, he, he has a bit of a relationship with the club, having been on trial there, and well. that's it. Now I remember when you re- when you said about Pavon that there was a, a club linked to him. I don't know if it's Barcelona, but Messi recommended Pavon for Barcelona. Hmm. So and he's a Boca player. So it's something. Yeah, he's a River supporter. Well, he could say that uh, Quintero is a magnificent player because he plays for River, but he also. He didn't say that, but he could. Or that Armani is a great goalkeeper yes, who's, who's just been given a $30 million dollar re- release clause yes. by River as well. Uh, renewed his contract after only a few months with the club. But he also said that Pavon is a great player and he's something different, someone different to the other players in the, in the squad. So I think mean, he's a Boca player. Indeed. Uh, Mike E. Cironi says, would the friendly that was going to be played on Saturday and now isn't, have been to try the B team. Would that have made much of a difference to the starting eleven in San Paoli's mind? In terms of pre-World Cup preparation, this couldn't have gone any worse. One friendly before Messi's maybe last World Cup, shambolic. To take those in order, uh, I don't think that the friendly would have been to try the B team. I think that the friendly would have been to try an eleven quite similar to the one that played against Haiti, but probably with Armani in goal instead of Cavachero, uh, with Biglia, Um, as the number five instead of Mascherano and with Aguero as the number nine instead of Higuain and possibly with Mesa where where Chelsea played Um, but I think that those three changes would have been the main ones and I think that it would have been a chance to see what would have been at least in in the outfield positions the two first choice players ideally um, and see how they were up to date physically Um, would it have made much of a difference to the starting 11 in San Paoli's mind we're going to have to wait and see who plays against Iceland really to, to be able to answer that because if Biglia and Aguero start against Iceland um, then in hindsight the answer to that question would have been no, apparently not but if it's Higuain and Mascherano I would say that the lack of a friendly probably did make a difference because he wasn't happy to play somebody he hadn't seen in a match right before and, and Messi, yes, and Messi will play Qatar 2022 I think He will be 35 years, 35 years old. He'll be the age that Mascherano is now. He'll, he'll turn 35 during the tournament, won't he? Yeah. Well, no, sorry, yeah, you'll be, you're right, actually. It's, it's going to be played later in the year, so he'll, he'll be 35. He'll be playing in a deeper role, I would think, but yeah. Unless he has a dramatic drop-off in form, I would expect him to be there. Um, and it couldn't have gone any worse. One friendly before his last World... Uh, I mean, it could have been better, <laughs> certainly. Um... It's been pretty nonsensical. That that much is true, at least. Liam Kelly says, since Marcelo Saraki is off to RB Leipzig, is he? I hadn't heard this. This, this yes. is, serves me right for, as I said earlier, for, for mocking Yusuf for not paying any attention to the um, to the transfer market at this stage of the season. I was not aware that that was happening. Um, he says, since Saraki is off to RB Leipzig, the river left-back, who would be an ideal replacement? Well, yes, it was confirmed that, that uh, Saraki will... Uh, Leib River to play for Leipzig of Germany for some somehow uh, 12.5 million euros or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, River I, I, they River bought him for two, I think, or or three. Yeah, so a year ago. Yes, um, and yes, the the names that have been uh, said or or mentioned to replace him were Olasa, the Uruguayan. 
Le also Uruguayan mm. left uh, back of Tacheres and uh, someone that is I think quite unknown even for me and I think it will be for you Santiago, uh, Santiago I think is or Sebastian it's the name is, starts with S Vegas Ch Chilean the place for Morelia of Mexico oh okay uh, that is more known and the other is Olasa uh, um, the river sympathizing bit of me would be happy enough with Olasa um, yes. and, you know. Supporters would like Van Huni to be again at River, but uh, the board members uh, are decided or they, they won't uh, put any money for Van Huni to, to, to come back because mm. he went, he left, left with as a free agent. So uh, if right. they want Van yeah. Huni to be back, if uh, then he needs to come back on a, yes. on a free transfer as well, yes. yeah. Uh, Huggy says, will the cat be back to harass your microphone? Uh, to which the answer is no, uh, she's still in the bedroom. Uh, Stephen Hooley again says, where will Pavon be playing come August? Is there any strength to the reports of talks with Barca? Here we go. We're going to mention the clubs. Uh, Christian Pavon's agent right now, apparently, or, or I don't know whether right now, right this moment, but during Wednesday uh, has been in England. Uh, Pavon has been linked with Arsenal. Chelsea and one other English club whose identity I've forgotten um, and he has also been linked apparently Paris Saint-Germain want to sign him and Barcelona are another club who have been um, fighting for his signature from the point of view of the I mean somebody who's seen the fantastic season that he's just had uh, has seen how I think to a large extent he's he's kind of matured as a player. He still plays with a as if he's got a bucket on his head at times, but he seems to have cut eye holes into that bucket, as uh, our own English Dan quite memorably put it a couple of months ago on Twitter. Um, I've really enjoyed seeing him come on, even if he does play for a team I fundamentally dislike. Um, and as a result, I kind of I hope this doesn't insult any of our French or particularly Parisian-based listeners. Um, but I think it'd be a bit of a shame to see him go to PSG. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see him go to a, a, a team where there's more than one team involved in the league championship title race, let's say. I do realise that Monaco won the title last year, by the way, in, in France, but you know, it, it's probably a one-off in the, the current environment there. Um, I think he, he will... I, I think any one of those three... I mean, I would hope, as I say, that he avoids PSG, but Arsenal, Chelsea, PS, uh, or, or Barca... Um, I don't know yes, Chelsea, th but th there's some truth to the the rumors certainly. But I don't know Chelsea, but I think he will finally fill the the space that uh, 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 Alexis Sanchez left in Arsenal. Yeah, and the same will be for Paris Saint Germain if, if Di Maria leaves. Yes, that, that's probably why PSG are, are wanting to get him, isn't it? To, in, in case Di Maria goes, um, but yeah, I mean certainly any strength to the reports of talks with Barca. Probably some, yes. As Andres mentioned a few minutes ago, Messi has, has recommended him, apparently. Um, so we will have to wait and see. Where will he be playing? I don't want to make a prediction right now. Could be any of those places. <laughs> um, La Liga Gav says, The cat brings character to the pod. Oh, thanks, Gav. <laughs> Cheers. That and Sam munching a biscuit whilst typing loudly, all the while receiving text messages with that weird message tone. Is it weird? Yeah. It's just one of the Android defaults on my phone. And yeah, Andres Bruckner maintains professionalism. Hand the pod rules. Thank you, Gav. And well done, Andres, for being the only person that Gav hasn't insulted in that um, 
Well, the only human being, anyway. He only mentioned two of us, anyway. Uh, Chris Hartley says, I was going to ask a question. Feel free, Chris. With the trouble build-up to the World Cup, do you think that Argentina could do what Brazil did in 2002 and make a run and win the thing? Sorry? What was the question? Do you think Argentina could have a really surprising run and win the World Cup after this trouble build-up? Well, it's really uh, something difficult to, 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 to preview, but... We all desire that, but very difficult. Could, can, to be able to, yes, I'm, I'm going to say. Um, it would be far from the first time I'm thinking of Italy in 2006 as well, when Calciopoli had happened and all the rest of it. Um, if the defence comes together in the next couple of weeks, if the midfield uh, that they've got, <laughs> i.e. Biglia, um, stays fit then with Messi in the team, anything can happen. If Messi gets injured or suspended, touching wood here, then he doesn't. Um, but if, if that happens, then, then no, I don't think Argentina can. But, but with Messi on the pitch, um, the sky's the limit as long as the others can come together and not look as useless as they have done. Basically, since Edgardo Bausa took up... Well, that's not entirely fair on, on um, the situation, is it? Since Martino left um, and, and Bausa was brought in to replace him. Um, yes, they can. If the, if you change the question slightly to do we think they're going to, I think we would probably both say no. We'd be surprised if they got uh, very far beyond the quarterfinal. Um, but can, yeah, absolutely. And, and it's the kind of thing that the World Cup has thrown up surprises like that in the past. It wouldn't be you know, surprising. Well, it would be surprising. That's why it's a surprise. But it wouldn't be the first time it's happened if it happens again. Uh, Luis Bessonet. Oh, that's a reply to... Um, uh, to Jamie's question and then there's a bit of a discussion about that so I won't read all of that out for you now you can check that out in our mentions column if you want to Ash P says will Simeone ever coach Argentina in the near future there, are two, the near there future. are two questions in one there will he ever coach Argentina or will he coach Argentina in the near future in the near future no he's ruled himself out will he ever coach them I think yes almost definitely uh, he's only in his what mid 40s now Yes. something like that so yeah he's probably got at least another 20-25 years um, of after, managerial after Qatar 2022 perhaps that is I think a good space of time for him to continue with his team's mm. uh, experience because he has already said a lot of times that he feels more comfortable to be every day with the players and not uh, as, a, as a trainer or as a coach of a national team the, he has to uh, to call up players, to train some some time, and then play friendlies and and the competitions, but not being all the time with the players. And now he likes more that uh, type of job. Indeed, we have also had a tweet from Ese Todoriki once again. For some reason, Twitter hasn't shown me this tweet in my notifications column. As far as I'm aware, he's not blocked or muted by me or anything. Uh, I. I don't think I've ever done that from the Hand of Pod account. So I have no idea why your questions never show up, SA, but the fact that you replied to one of um, our other questions has prompted me to just check and see whether you've asked one this week. And sure enough, you did. He says, who are Rivers' transfer targets this transfer window? We mentioned Olasso already. Um, I've not really been paying attention. Once the league football stopped, I, I don't bother and with that's the only windows, because, but you can probably mention this. And that's only because uh, Saraki has officially yeah. been sold... 
And that's, the the uh, focus for River, I would think, is on keeping as much of the team together as they can. As I said, they, they upped Armani's release clause. Uh, they they bought buy... Quintero out, right? right? Or they're yes. going to in the next few days. Um, any others that you can... No, and, and uh, Donofrio has, has already said, uh, I think a week ago or something like that, that he w- they will on- only buy players in if they if they sell. This is the case of Saraki. If mm. not, they won't uh, sign any players. Yeah, indeed. Uh, we have also had a question by direct message from Lee Bartlett, who says, uh, "When will the new season begin?" We answered that one very briefly in passing earlier on, but we'll answer it fully now. Um, the 10th of August is the start of the new Superliga season. We have had a related question by email from... Hang on a second, let me get... From Jimmy Lee, who says... Hopefully this makes it in time for this week's pod. It did, Jimmy, and I remembered it. I'm feeling very pleased with myself at the moment, because I normally forget when people email me questions... Uh, he says, what have you heard about the Superliga season to come? 25, maybe 26 matches and a, dom- and a domestic cup tournament too? Question mark. Any other rumours that you're hearing? Four relegations and two promotions again? We don't know. Uh, the format is, is still undecided. It's probably going to be the same format as the season just gone, but obviously with two fewer teams. It's definitely going to be more relegations than promotions, although we don't know how many of each, and with the promedios still. And seemingly, it's going to be August to May again, rather than August to December, as we were expecting up until a few weeks ago. Um, but in short, we're going to have to tell you in a month or two when it, those decisions have actually been taken. Yeah, the Superliga crew uh, met in Porto Madero a couple of weeks ago. They, they met... No, that's like, the neighbourhood of Buenos Aires. Yeah, they have a meeting, had a meeting, yes, a very nice... Uh, song. Oh, I don't know about nice. It's very expensive. Well, I wouldn't want to live there. A lot of offices <laughs> and, 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 tall, and, and tall buildings, and that's why they went there to have the image of an European organization, but then they didn't decide anything. <laughs> so, yes, uh, they, what, what, what we know is that they must fill 10 months of football, as they say, as Torneos uh, requires to, to, to keep the, the, the payment of the. Uh, of the football package. Yeah. Uh, so, yes. I, I don't know why they didn't go for the transitional championship they were planning on and then have the 10 months of football next year, though, because Torneos knew when they signed the contract there was going to be a transitional championship at some point. Um, so I'm a little confused about that. But anyway, basically, there aren't too many rumours flying around at the moment because the media is just consumed with World Cup preparations. That rumour of a Copa de la Liga, like, the, like Copa del Rey, but in, in Argentina... And only for the Superliga. Yes. Um, that, that's the other one. But we'll see what happens, basically, at this stage. We, we can't um, uh, answer that one, I'm afraid, Jimmy. He also says, is, are there going to be any mystic predictions for the World Cup? Probably not, because we're going to be recording yes. once a week. Yes. And I don't know how we would structure it. But he says, could we organise a Hand of Pod prediction group or something like that? We could use kicktip.com. Or if you just want to do predictions on the podcast for the matches, let me know and I can contribute mine. Um if listeners want to tweet in their feelings about this and copy me into Handapod as well, H-E-G-S underscore com, uh, then if there is enough interest, then I can set something up. As long as it's free and there are no prizes involved or anything, because um, we don't have the money to do that. We do have some very generous Patreon supporters, of course, but uh, the money that we take in from that isn't really enough to give anybody a meaningful prize uh, at the end of it, whilst also 
taking the money that, that, that we like for ourselves um, from that the more patrons there are, there are perhaps it's yeah if, if you if you want to play for money get on Patreon and uh, subscribe to us uh, now and continue to do so afterwards and we might think about it but no if, if people just want to play for fun then yeah tweet me in uh, tweet into me um, and I can see whether I can put something together before the World Cup kicks off why not um, for now I think that's it this week that was a longer second half of the podcast than I was expecting yes. 55 minutes we were recording oh. for stick around if you're a Pod Extra subscriber and um, we'll try and think of something to talk about for 10 minutes in a few minutes time um, if you're not then uh, thank you very much for listening indeed we will see you again next week uh, when we'll be previewing the first match of the World Cup won't we because it's the end of next week it starts Yes, so next, next week will be the yeah. preview wow. of Argentina against Iceland. God, this is that exciting. will be basically the same than, than today because uh, there won't be any friendlies. Perhaps it's something more closer to the to the team that will be playing. But maybe we'll get the uh, training session televised on Saturday. Maybe we'll be able to watch yes. it live on uh, on what channel was it going to be on? I'll tell you. Say, so. we'll see. Um, anyway, thank you very much for listening for another week. And for now, it's goodbye from Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And from me, goodbye. <laughs>